0: But a couple months later, I woke up with tons of people fighting me, saying, Jody, you won't believe this. There's a doodle of Matilde. Matilde is the first Ecuadorian to have her her doodle. And the doodle is not only appearing in Ecuador, it's appearing in the whole Latin America, in Italy, Ireland, and United Kingdom. And I said, I apply for that. I send my proposal. I ask for it. And I couldn't believe it!
1: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to new Social Confos. It's episode 114. It's a Tuesday, as usual. Our recording is. Diego, how are you
2: doing today? I'm doing great, Jean-Luc. And before we get started, some quick announcements. If you're watching this on YouTube, my YouTube, don't forget to give it a like and subscribe. We also launched our Instagram at Confos at C-O-N-F-O-E-S. So give us a follow there if you want to stay up to date. And Awesome, awesome. Yes, Yes,
1: I'm loving it. I'm loving it really for people that don't understand. If you like and subscribe, but also if you share the stream, it just helps with the algorithm of any social media platform. We usually don't do this, but we do realize that Confos is not only for those who are listening when the show is already done but we are also live so why not enjoy it a little bit extra and then you get a little bit more comments like Devin joining in and giving a comment because usually we have less time reserved for questions from the audience
2: and it's part of our new strategy I'd say so us in the loop but let's shift back to today's episode today's gonna be a fun episode we have someone from Latin America again, Ecuador, and if you think you we've had some very interesting people with a quite a large CV, quite a large resume, I checked out her LinkedIn and I had to scroll five pages before I came <laughs> to the end of her experiences, but I'm not going to go through the whole LinkedIn, so luckily she shared with us a very short bio, so it is my pleasure to introduce Jodi Padilla. She is an engineer and a specialist in higher education with a background in economics and also a master's in innovation and business development from the University of Valencia. She has participated in many programs. I've met her during the Wildlife, Young Leaders of America's initiative last year. And she's also a speaker, something you're familiar with. And she's also part of the Global Shaper, something you're also familiar with. So and I she's think also common...
1: an author, right? If I if I remember correctly. Yeah, so oh, there's yes. a lot of
2: common <laughs> ground to cover between the both of us. But without further ado, I'd like to welcome Jody. Jody, welcome to Social Convokes. Hello,
0: Diego. Hello, jan Hello, everybody seeing us. You make me laugh a lot because, <laughs> yes, I have put everything. And it's just that. You know, when you live in Latin America, you probably don't think that there are people doing stuff and you have to show up, especially if you are a woman in a country like mine. So, it's not like it's like a, a imposter syndrome that we are still battling because every little thing that we do is important and we have to put that. When I was a volunteer in anything, I was putting that When I was giving papers outside an event that I was not organizing, I put that in the LinkedIn. So you have to just put everything because you'd never know what's your road and where you're going to be grown. On that
2: topic, you've done a lot of volunteering. You've done a lot of programs. You've done a lot of application. Like, has there been an instance where someone encountered you, went to your LinkedIn and saw this volunteer, something you volunteered, and they contacted you because you did that? Is is there any that stick out?
0: Look, everything that you're finding my links in started from volunteering. Even the thing with the Global Shapers, even the thing me participating in, in Harvard Business School that I, I never thought I was going to reach there just because I was volunteering. Then also becoming a, an author started me volunteering for something because sometimes that's the only way to get in. Like, hey, do you need help? I will do it for free. And then they notice your talents. And that's also a way to reach your goals. So for me, it's always me. I volunteer all the time. Even when I started my entrepreneurship, I did it like that. I looked for a NGO that was working with women in STEM, S-T-E-M, right? In science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And in that road, I started meeting all other female entrepreneurs, other female founders, and I got inspired and I got my, my opportunities and then look, look at us. So I always say some people don't see NGOs or volunteering as door you have to knock because not everybody is willing to do something for free. But if you show you are passionate, they can see you and you can be called.
1: So I have to ask the question because we've, we've gotten a lot of Latin American. Guess in, but you're you're not all you've you've been the first from Ecuador quite sometimes in in your life. So I do have to ask now. Being the first from Ecuador, what is Ecuador like? Like what countries in South America or in Latin them do you like to compare yourself with, or are you in kind of competition with? And and what is Ecuador mainly known for?
0: Okay, well, I have to start like like saying that Ecuador is not that well-known, you probably need to talk about Ecuador referring to the Galápagos Islands, so that people locate you geographically of what I'm talking about. So, because they confuse us with, with Africa, okay? So, since the beginning, it's been difficult to say I'm from Ecuador, especially because we are not that competitive, actually. And we have fall in a game where nobody recognizes us culturally and where a lot of our culture has been stolen. Quick example, the Panama hat. The Panama hat is done in Ecuador and they sell it in Panama and you think that it's done in Panama and it's not originally. It was made here and it was part of our history because people working on shipping and everything and that ship going to Panama, people were using that hat and they start calling it Panama hat, but it was Ecuador. Another thing is that we create, we think, for example, that the best chocolate in the world is Switzerland, but it's made with our cocoa and we have the best cocoa in the world. And we just don't have a really good crowd or identity to say, hey, I have the best cocoa in the world and we are working on doing the best chocolate in the world. The Panama hat is the Toquilla straw hat and we've been kind of, trying to remember people hey we exist and we are part of the history of the world that's why i was involved later uh, uh, they trying to rescue the culture specifically when it comes to to the female vote or gender parity or saying that yes we, we have a lot to give and we are already in the map but we have to talk about it and we have to make people see that ecuador Uh, Beyond a lot of things is also the most biodiversity world, a country in the world. And there are things that that you have to know about the country. And for me, it's been like taking my flag with me, talking about a little bit of Ecuador, talking about who we are and why it's important that they recognize us uh, for our culture and for our history.
2: I think there's a lot in common, if we're just listening to you, that we have here about that reference when we talk about Suriname, people think oh it's in africa when i i think about ecuador the first relation i have personally is the equator because it's so close to the equator and it's kind of something similar we we have a lot of biodiversity and i can attest Jean-Luc, i can attest to the chocolate when i met jody she gave everyone chocolate (laughs) and i've tasted new zealand chocolate new zealand chocolate is good but (laughs) Yeah, she, she's not lying when she's saying yeah, Ecuador. Chocolate. I was with okay, my flag and everything.
0: Thing. Remember, I was so all yeah. branded like Ecuador. <laughs> <laughs> Come to Ecuador.
2: You've had opportunity to travel a lot, and yeah, I'm I'm not familiar with the Panama hat, so I can't really talk compare that as much. But during your travels, and you you say you're not that competitive, and when you meet someone from abroad, what was the most, aside from being from Africa, the most from your side surprising thing that you've learned from abroad and that you think, hey, Ecuador or Latin America in general could use that?
0: Well, like, what did I learn? Like, meeting people from from around the region. For me, my case, it's been like they, they can easily talk about their culture. For me, I don't it's difficult even to talk about music. It's difficult to talk about art because in our own city, I'm from Guayaquil. It's seaport. And we are a really cosmopolitan city in that sense because we are a seaport. And it's difficult to actually, for me to describe what it's to be a person from Guayaquil. Because what it was called Guayaquil has been lost with the past of the years. And we have become this country. That uh, things that we just have to follow, the uh, the trends outside, we don't even know what's our, like, traditional costume. We, ha- we don't have that identity. That's the bad thing about Guayaquil. So I would say that we have to stay attached to our roots and try to look back because it's not that the rest of the people is better than us. And that reflects in every aspect of our lives because when somebody comes from the from another country we automatically prefer to work with that person and not an ecuadorian and for example recognizing that for me the logic the logic step for me was okay, since being from another country or having something from another country is that important, then I have to connect with international organizations and I have to travel and I have to assist to congresses and I have to be with people with other countries since it's that things that's so important for us. So what I learned was that it's not that I am less, I know a lot. It's not that I don't have nothing to put in the table. I even tra- I've even i been traveling around and, and to be honest, it's been few times where I'm actually surprised from what I'm seeing and learning because we have that self-esteem that we at the beginning think, oh my God, I'm so scared. I was so scared with the wildlife thing. I was terrified because that was the first time I was living for so long my country because I had been abroad, but for certain stuff, basically working like a week or something. So for me thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to live by myself for a month. And so I was so scared. I think we related in that sense, Diego, because I think that was the first time we were going out for so long. I think that we talked a bit about it, right?
2: Yeah, for me, it was the second time. But, but yeah, being long. away for so long. I've been away for 10 months. Okay, in New Zealand, so I'm so. from
0: here. Okay, I thought. I, but it
1: makes sense. It makes sense. I can, it sense I, that I can it, yes. And it's like, also uh, a reason why some people don't do it, for instance, is because they have to be away from their regular life for so long as well.
0: Yes. And you think that, for example, in my case, I thought, oh my God, this is the United States. It's another language. I speak Spanish. I don't know what's going to happen. It's my culture. I'm going to have a different cultures so big that I won't be never able to adapt. But at the end, the nice thing about, at least for us, the program, I, I felt that we were entrepreneurs from all the hemispheres, our cohort in particular. We talk about so many things and we were struggling basically with the same. And we could ask each other for advice. I remember in one moment that I was asking Diego that I was going to do a rebrand. I was changing everything of what I was doing. And, and I asked him, what do you think about this? And he gave me advice. And that was the same with the whole cohort. And this experience in particular, maybe it's not that you're going to let a lot from the host. It's difficult. It's different for everybody. For me, the best thing was meeting these guys, meeting the cohort, meeting Diego, meeting all the, the team, the, the Portland team we had, because I felt that we are around the same age. We are around struggling the same. We have the same opportunities. Also, we have, to challenge, we have the same challenges. And it was really nice to talk with them. And at the end, you will always find, you will not feel that you are a minority. Wherever you go, you will find people to connect. And that's the best thing about going abroad and not being scared of being the only one, in my case, the only Ecuadorian sometimes when I do these things.
2: Funny thing is there, when we were in Portland, I can remember quite vividly that you guys tried to change your accent a bit to be a bit more American. It, it, it was hilarious. But in the end, it, it it really connected us. And I think you had an advantage over m- myself because most of you guys spoke Spanish. So you, you could re- relate more. Yeah. So that that that's one kind of drawback that we kind of have, but we adapted it. and the the great thing is most or almost everyone is quite understanding to include. So whenever I showed up in in, in the group, m- most of them kind of automatically changed. like, okay, let us do a thing in English. and even though it, it it's what more effort that that is really great about that experience,
0: yes, I, so and we sometimes like, Sorry, we forgot because, you know, we were having fun. And unfortunately, you have this alter ego in English and in another language. And sometimes <laughs> we just need to go back to your language. So there were times when
2: yeah, oh completely God, we're understand understand.
0: talking English again, yeah, here. we yeah. have to speak in English.
2: <laughs> and even though you guys spoke in Spanish, there's something about communication that kind of breaks that barrier because even the body language, the The way you address people, the way you look at people, you can kind of interpret what they mean and what they say. It's just about having fun. So while I was an amazing experience, aside from the whole program, just the cohort in general, after that, we went back and all of us did our separate things. You had to adapt to your normal life again. What happened with? What did you focus on after you got back to Ecuador? Because I remember seeing you are preparing for some kind of TED Talk. So tell us a bit more about that experience. How did you get the application? Because I know TED Talks, it's a very gruesome process to yes. go through. And you, you need a specific topic. You need to practice. And then you have a set amount of time to just deliver your message. Yes. So how was that for you? Like What should people think about when they hear TED Talk is not just is he a speaker on a stage or something? What's, what's the preparation that goes into this? Oh,
0: well, a lot of things changed when I was in white. First of all, like I said, I was not, I thought I was not going to be able to survive the, that month. <laughs> and I was lucky enough to have a great roommate, Jennifer So if she's... Looking at this, I would say like, thank you, Jennifer. She was like in another moment of life. Like she was a married woman she was a business woman. She knew how to cook and that's the opposite of me. I don't know even how to cook. (laughs) So I was lucky enough to have somebody there. For me, everything from week one, I felt I started to change for real. I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes I was calling my sister and I was crying and I felt, oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Everything is changing. Like, I don't feel the same. But then eventually weeks went through and the, the, the most hard thing I think it would be to come back and see that life here was still the same, but you completely changed somehow. Like your vision changed, your goals changed. But the tough thing was putting all of those in practice, not to stay stuck, like to make decisions. And for me, I was—I think that that was the moment for me to make new decisions or the decisions that I was making wait. Like I didn't want to make some decisions, but I realized I had to do it. And then I started getting involved in other environments. So while I was doing the exchange program there, I saw there was a TikTok opportunity. And in that moment, I felt like I can do everything. In another moment, maybe I would say I'm not ready for this. But since the experience for me was like that, like opening my eyes, I said, OK, I'm going to apply. I'm going to do this. And I apply. And of course, like you said, my friend, it's a long process. And I couldn't believe that even though I've been a speaker for a couple of years now, for me, the TED Talk was another thing. They changed completely what I was talking about several times because I was talking too much. And you have to understand the the roots of the TED Talk, that it has to be simple, that it has to give something good for a broader audience, not only the people I was focusing in because I was just working with people from universities or vulnerable people. I just have two groups and I knew how to act independently, but not with those together. So I had to completely change my message, and the best thing for me was to buy the "How to Do a TED" from the founder of TED Talk, a book. So I wrote that. I saw that I had to think about everything: how I had to dress, and how I had to manage my my topic, how I was going to show it, what was the real message of what I was doing, and that also connected at the same time with. A mo- an important moment I had in my life that was changing the vision of my entrepreneurship. So, at the beginning, I was just working with women with female empowerment. But since I went to Portland, I find out too that maybe it's not about, necessarily about gender. It's an important topic, yes. But it, from the area I was working on, which was education and leadership, I have to focus on leadership. So for me, being in Portland to also change my tip and made me change my narrative and decide to focus on leadership and to train on leadership because it's also a, a, a topic that we have to consider. And for me, the Tech Talk was an important moment. It was a closer of what I was doing for five years with a certain focus and the launch of my new brand. So it was, I had a lot in my back. It was really exhausting to reach finally that moment. And you can see it here in YouTube. You look, Jody Padilla, TikTok, And you wouldn't believe all the effort you have to do just for 10 minutes that you have to talk. It was four months, four months. It was working on that and practicing on stage if I need it and talking with the person that was saying, don't put your hands like that. You cannot move from the circle, from the red circle. You just cannot move. Don't move around. When to record it, you have to say. And it was, it, those were too many things. <laughs> like controlling what you were saying, knowing it completely because you couldn't read it, you couldn't hear it. You have to use well your 10 minutes. So you have to learn everything, every dot, every everything you were going to say and control uh, physically, like the, your gestures and where you were putting your voice up and down, like it's a lot, it's a lot. And you really have to work on that to, to make it possible.
1: So that's, that's interesting. I always, when I look at speaking, like I had a professor and he would always have like this cup of coffee and he would hold that cup of coffee for like a whole lecture and we knew that the cup of coffee most of the time was empty, but for him, Oh. It control. was a way to control, like, how we walk, avoid certain hand gestures. So what I really wanted to know is, like, from that experience of four months, what was the best piece of advice that you were given when it comes to public speaking?
0: Okay. They were, I, I also put my opinion on it because they were making it in such an structure that when I saw the other speakers, we were all going to be the same, actually. So I have to be a little bit rebel too, because I saw the other guys and he said exactly the same. Well, I'm not going to, I mean, he helped me a lot, but I also put a little bit from me and realizing that we could not all do the same we were said. So... Even if we wanted to give an example, he's, for example, the people that the person that was guiding us said, like, count one, two, three, and show it with your fingers to the public. And what you will see at the end, if you go to a TikTok and you see five people saying the same, one, two, three, like first example, second example, you will see, oh my, but this is the same. So I have to follow the book, follow the instructor, and... Eliminate the things that were using the other speakers. That's what I decided. And it was a good decision because at the end I was one of the most memorable of the night. Because I put something about myself. So, what I will tell you is that yes, you can follow every every advice, you can follow every instructor. But you can just not lose yourself there. Like you have to be yourself and you have to put something. And if you want to smile, smile. And if you want to speak louder, speak louder. And if you want to speak fast in certain moments, do it. But at the end, you have to put your essence too. So for me, like, like again, I said, like for me, it's being like an up and down, a roller coaster of this experience. Because I was pretty sure of who I was, then I was really uh, not sure. Uh, but at the end, I I, I I I survived the process. But putting putting my experience too, not letting it down. Because our experience is always important. We don't have to think that that everybody else can have an opinion on you and your work. You can also give something good and at the end they liked my my speech
2: so what i'm hearing there is even though it's so formulaic like there's a formula behind it there's a structure behind it because you want to stand out because you want to retain your personality because you want to retain your message yeah you need to embed it in the core of your message and i just had a Thought here, like the world is going crazy now with AI, with chat GPT, with text to speech. And basically, that talks could become, if, if you plug that formula into it, AI, you could get this out and there would be no differentiating factor. So, to the people worried about, mm-hmm. you know, chat GPT, AI is going to replace us. Which is, well, yeah. There's, it, a, there's it a beautiful
1: be quote. There's a beautiful quote. If everybody looked the same, we would would get tired of looking at each other. For sure. It's a a really good quote.
2: (laughs) So even though the formula just works, you need to be able to keep your own voice. And that's what people are going to connect to.
0: And I love what you're saying because that was my TikTok. I was talking about that there is no formula. That yes, you can have the variables, but each variable can be personalized. And my TED Talk was about giving a pitch and convince a giant like Google because that was what I did. I got the support from Google in a certain point for my social campaign. And I said that like you can have these five main things that you can focus when you give a pitch, but each of them need to be personalized and adapt to the audience. So it means that there's not a real a real formula, if you could say, but you have to always analyze the other. What do you have to give? And even following these five steps, the results will be different for everybody. It will never be the same.
2: That's cool. We didn't even listen to your TED Talk because you it is to. in Spanish. You no, <laughs> have subtitles, Diego. Just- I'll put subtitles. But what's <laughs> cool now, what's cool about this is that we got the essence. Of you just, in a few minutes, explaining that TED Talk. <laughs> and we got that essence, that message from your TED Talk in here. <laughs> yeah. So that's really cool about that. So translating that experience, and you just mentioned there, you know, in your entrepreneurship journey, you approach Google, and you're also working at the university as a researcher. So can you tell us a bit more about what it's like being a researcher at a university, and how do you combine it with entrepreneurship? Like, how do those two worlds meet each other?
0: You might say, looking at my LinkedIn or whatever, that I look like an 80-year-old looking at that, <laughs> that is not the age, this is not right, and that I'm multitasking. I am not a multitasker. I focus on one thing and pass from one thing to the other. But what I have been doing is that I to- try to connect the current thing I'm having with any opportunity or any open- door that it's being opened. And I would never think what I'm doing now. It's just that I took the opportunity and I decided in that moment and I chose that path and I continue bringing everything I was learning. So everything is connected. Okay. How is that, how I started? Okay. I started starting marketing. I was going to work in an agency. That's my future. In the other side, I have a father that was the owner of a plastic company. And I was an activist against the plastic, so I was his nightmare. (laughs) And then I said, "Okay, this is not working. You just retire, and we're closing that because that's not good for the world." We made it. I had to negotiate with my father. We made it. Blah blah blah. I was going to work in marketing for him. I didn't want to sell my soul to the devil. So I said, "No, I'm not doing that." And I said, "Okay, now I definitely have to focus on research." I was doing research in plastic and how to. Uh, well, it's a really long story, but I was doing that because I was working with my father. Now we take that out and just working on research, and I start looking for the things that I was passionate about. And there it comes from the story of my first successful entrepreneurship, which is called Team Matilde. Okay? So in that moment, what I have to say is that I've been always inspired by the role model from Ecuador, was the first woman to vote in Latin America. She was the first professional. She was the first scientist in Ecuador, and her name is Matilde Hidalgo de Procer. But when I was growing, I just heard about her story in my house, and it had a reason. She was my great, great aunt. So I was the only one maybe listening about her story because nobody else from my age probably was not having that kind of role model. That's why maybe I got involved with what was my passion later. Doing research, it's science, but focus on gender, okay? So everything has a purpose in that moment. I decided, okay, I'm going to start focusing on doing research on gender. And I start approaching communities of women in And when I was approaching them, like trying to learn something because I only felt passionate about it, it, it happened that I said uh, that I saw somebody talking about Matilde Hidalgo and I decided to approach her. She was the rector of one of the main universities in Ecuador and she was the first woman to become rector in that university here in West King. So she was talking about Matilde Hidalgo and look at this. I reached her at the end of her speech and I said, thank you for talking about Matilde. She's my great, great aunt. I don't, I don't even know what I said it because for many years I didn't say it. But since that was the opportunity in that moment, I just thought, she's talking about Matilde Hidalgo. Nobody talks about Matilde Let me thank her. So I said that and everything changed in a minute. She got so surprised that I was surprised. Why is she surprised? I didn't even realize. Like, Why is, why is she so surprised that I'm a relative of Matilde I was doing another thing. I was doing, I was doing research, not as a professor, but as an assistant. So she said, we need to talk. You need to connect with an organization that is called Girls in Text. It's an NGO working on women, and they have a talktory, a conversatory of Matilde Hidalgo. Maybe you should join. And that, uh, in that way, it began. Me being called to these spaces because people wanted to know more about Matilde Hidalgo. And I had the pictures. I have the personal stories because she was my great-great aunt. And it sounds really fun away, right? But the thing is that my, my grandfather lost his mother and his father, and he lived with Matilde. So that's why Matilde was so close, actually, to us, because she was basically the grandmother of my mother, right? Every picture, in every picture we have Matilde Dago, in every picture of the family. So I start talking about her, those stories. People wanted to learn more, and it started changing the kind of the in female entrepreneurship culture in my city because more people was learning about Matilde Hidalgo. I was doing that as a volunteer. I was gathering with other women and we kind of create this ecosystem and I was participating a lot and it grew a lot till the moment I have this opportunity with Google. What happened? There was doing my volunteering. I won a contest on writing because since I was doing research, I say maybe if I can write, Part of an article, which is a paper, a scientific thing, maybe I, a scientific thing, maybe I should write something more easy that people can actually read and understand. <laughs> so I started writing in blogs and I, and those blogs were focused on volunteering, on female empowerment. And with that activity connected with this new organization that I'm talking about, Girls in Tech, actually made me want a global contest. And I was, and the prize was me visiting San Francisco, which was never in my head to visit, with where you find Silicon Valley to assist to a congress where you could meet female leaders from NASA, from Pixar, from Netflix, imagine from Boeing. I never thought that all these steps I was giving were going to take me there. But the thing is that I never forget what I'm doing. I always mix the old stuff with the new stuff. And things start to connect. The, the famous connecting the dots. Okay. So, okay. Then in that meeting in Silicon Valley, I met people from Google. And they said, there are a lot of things you can do if you are focused on Matilda algo. Maybe just look at the website and find something. Why did I find? I found. Why did I find? I find that you can... You could ask for a doodle. The doodle is the art, the logo when, when, when you say they celebrate something. So I decided. Yeah, hey. yeah. exactly. Nobody knows Matilda Could you please make a, a doodle of Matilda so that people see that it and say, who is this woman? And let's click on it and let's see something. And I have to give a pitch saying that nobody knows her. Hey, nobody knows her. Do something. Please help me. <laughs> and this is what I'm doing. <laughs> like, Kind of the pitch. The, the pitch, the thing that you can see on the TED Talk. That's how I did it. And I had no answer. Imagine, I was, they left me there. But a couple months later, I woke up with tons of people writing me, saying, Jody, you won't believe this. There's a doodle of Matilde. Matilde is the first Ecuadorian to have her doodle. Her doodle. And the duel is not only appearing in Ecuador, it's appearing in the whole Latin America, in Italy, Ireland, and United Kingdom. And I said, I apply for that. I sent my proposal. I asked for it and I couldn't believe it. So I thought that it would take me years to make people recognize the life of Matilde because that was my goal in that time, but look at, look at, look at it, just in millions of people learn about Matile. They were posted from BBC, from Independent, from the main newspapers of the region, from this, these countries I, I just said. That changed everything. Like, I, I realized that I could do everything if I wanted, that, it, that I can do it by myself, that technology is a support, but also that I have to be connected with the right people. And then I said, how I can do this for other people? Yes, I just accomplished my goal. Now, most of the country knows about Matilde Hidalgo. Now there are a lot of things developed by our government saying that we don't have to forget about her life. So the mission is accomplished. What's next? Just try to teach other people how I became this community leader. That you have to go to the right spaces. You have to know the right people. You just have to uh, learn what or how. What are the ways to connect the dots. You have to network, do networking. And mm-hmm. that's how I, since last year after my experience in wildlife, that's why I decided to launch Leaders Hub, which is like this leadership network in, in which we train people on leadership, on these soft skills that they need to learn, on how to support themselves with technology, how to ex- Pose their life, how to try to call attention through the social media. Just as you said, Diego, like you you look at me and there's everything there. You you know everything I've been doing. Because if you don't say it, nobody else is gonna do it. And we have to see social media as that, that opportunity of public relations that you won't get in any other way. You just have to do it.
2: Yeah, and I think Sean Luke a test on the social media report, but it's really interesting listening to your story as you started with marketing and the impact you had after all those years that basically after all that effort from marketing to volunteering to applying to Google and that little doodle just had an impact all around the world. And basically Ecuador or something from Ecuador is known now. So basically, you marketed the whole country through that effort.
0: Yes, and and it was like, you wouldn't believe that day was, first of all, it was a dream come true. Then I started crying, finally, everything I've been doing. doing Because I also think that you have to be very present in what you are doing. Like You have to be really happy when you have to be happy. And that's why you, even though you stop some projects, you have to be proud of what you have been doing. And don't forget that kind of personalized formula that you can use for other projects and keep going and keep reaching other goals and just don't stop. Not because you have to show something to other people. No, you have, not because you have to say, I am, I I have a value. You have to respect me. It's not about that. It's about you trying to explore other aspects of your life. That's why I I, I have been in so many things you wouldn't believe. I've been even activist, like I said, on on climate action. I have explored everything so that I say, okay, I try it. I don't like it that much, or this is not working for me. Then I have to just move, move and look for something else, but never get stuck with anything. Never, even if you're working in a certain place and you don't like it, or you just met somebody that is draining your energy. You have to move on. That's how life it is. But you also have to stay connected. Like, ah, Diego, nice to meet you. and look, finally here too. But with Diego, look at us. Ah, we haven't talked like for a year. But you know that you connected so much with somebody that it doesn't matter how much time it passed. Like, you can always connect when you are in the same vibes.
2: Basically, during the road trip to Seattle, because you know during the program you you don't really have much time. But during the weekends, you can go out. And that's where you can really connect, where you can really resonate on a certain wavelength and talking to Jody was like, you know, you could see some similar characteristics and I was like, huh, (laughs) it feels like to a certain degree, I'm talking to myself. And what I found interesting, we talked about research about the entrepreneurship, but something that I don't think many people know, Jody also has a creative side.
0: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yes. It,
2: I saw some of those drawings. So can you tell us a bit where that came from and kind of how that fits into your journey now?
0: Yes, well, I've been doing everything since trying to dance like Michael Jackson and having YouTube videos that are dancing like Michael Jackson. I, I If I tell you that, you understand everything.
1: Are, are those on the YouTube? Are those on the YouTube page as well? The, no, you, the they YouTube are hiring. Nobody
0: code? can find it. <laughs> that. It's not the time now. You already passed. It was a a long time ago. But but yes, I've been trying to always be creative. Like for example, I try, and I would say this as as something that you might want to consider when you are working. So, if you feel that there's something missing. Speak out. Imagine this. You are working with scientists. They are all square thinking. They want things to be very structured. And then I come with my innovation stuff, doing whatever thing, considering even painting on a research. Like, how can you connect those things? It, it makes no sense. But you just have to speak out. And if nobody listens to you, then You have to try to make it as a personal initiative. What happened to me? I was doing research. I was talking about gender, but nobody wanted to get out the paper, which means they just wanted to create the paper. But I said, let's make a book. Let's try to make a book with this research because yes, we are having the research. Then we're sharing the results in a Congress where there are other professors and who is going to learn from this. So that's a big thing that we have in Ecuador where people or professors or researchers don't share anything they found and they don't have uh, the space to do it. So we created the book. I created the book. It's really small, you wouldn't believe. But that book is the result of two years of research and international research on leadership. So I said, I'm going to do the book. Oh, you don't want to do the book? I'm going to do it. I'm gonna, everybody's going to be a co-author because we did the research together. But this is going to be a really short book, like a practical guide of how to start to become a leader. Then I said, hey, people is calling us about the book. It's working, guys. Why don't we start being speaker on leadership? Nobody wanted to do it. I'm going to do it. Then I started doing it. And then after years, everybody in the team is saying, why you didn't involve me? I said it from the beginning. You never stop yes. the opportunity <laughs> of doing a book, of talking about it, on reaching the community. So sometimes you just have to do it. And that, what's, what's that called, people? Volunteering because they were not paying me. <laughs> they were not paying me for those things, but I saw an opportunity. And then I connected to with the communities and then I said, okay, I'm going to start to design leadership programs because people actually see interested on this. And I'm going to put another thing on the table, like innovation, competitiveness, uh, gender parity. And then I start creating. So my message is there's always something missing where you are working. Sometimes nobody's going to trust you about that thing you recognize, that it's called the whole. That's That's how it's called in science. The, the hole in the literature. That's how it's called. So I decided to always look for that missing thing. And if I have to put the sign on it, Diego, like you said, if I have to put my drawings, because if you see the book, I draw the portrait of the book. I decided even to do that. I put everything, so everything I am in that thing, so that then you say, yes, it worked. And I mixed things that were not supposed to be mixed Or culturally are not well seen, or maybe nobody else is trying it. You just have to do it. And again, if it doesn't work, then okay, nobody's going to read the book. I don't care. (laughs) It could happen. And it has happened to me a lot of times. Many projects just don't work. But that's the good thing if you keep trying. You want to find something that finally works someday.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned the theory of holes because there is a management book. I'm not sure if I can find them. I'm looking at my bookshelf. But there's a Dutch management book, which is called, in Dutch, Crazy About Holes.
0: Oh, nice. So I'm
1: definitely going to see if I can find it. And if I can find it in Spanish or anything related, then I'm going to send it to you. And I know that we're almost at the three-quarters mark. So I do want to ask a question. Because we also have a global shapers hub in Paramaribo, in Suriname. But I really want your take as well on, because you already mentioned volunteering and we've spoken a lot about your journey, but we haven't spoken about the Global Shapers and we haven't spoken about DAFO. So what I would love from you as well is for young people to understand why and how can they connect? So what is the Global shapers? So why, why is it important for, for young people to understand what the Global Shapers is and, and how can they connect or reach out to the Global Shapers in, in their community or in their city?
0: So nice that you say that here because for me, in that research of people thinking like me, because in my current job as a researcher, nobody understood me and I was the person thinking about unicorns in that time. I said, maybe if I connect with young people like me, with entrepreneurs, maybe I'm going to be able to to put this. It didn't happen exactly like that, but I thought in that moment that that was the place for for meeting other people. So I looked for volunteer options, and one of those that pop out was the Global Shapers Community. The Global Shapers Community is an initiative for young entrepreneurs or young uh, community leaders that can get involved with the World Economic Forum. So the Global Shapers community is the volunteering from the uh, World Economic Forum. So you have to look if there's a a hub, it's called, if the Global Shaper it's in your city. And if it's not, you can actually test, test through the website to say, I want to open a hub, right? So, um, in that moment, there was this Global Shapers, Guayaquil. There was one. I sent my curriculum. And what I would say about this type of community, or at least as how I have been working with them, is that you never do a mistake when you're a volunteer. Never. Because you put a project there, it doesn't work, you try it, then create a new one. So, that mindset is in the Global Shapers community and it's in probably any other organization, but here in particular, they give a chance to young people, right? So you just have to be between 18 years and 27 to apply. And in my case that I'm 31, I am basically retiring next year. So I am done with the five years of activities that you need to accomplish, right? So I started just in just in, like in 26, 27, it was like the limit. If they didn't accept me, there was no chance for me to go there. And I decided to put all those projects, those initial projects as an incubator. So I try This thing works, this thing doesn't work. Then I can connect this with my work if I can, and I can continue with my work or with the Global Shapers community. So if you have not been a volunteer of any organization. I would tell you, I would recommend the Global Shapers Community and see it like that, like the place where you can do all the mistakes you want because it's volunteering. You are not gonna lose a job. You are gonna not gonna lose anything. You just have things to win, like training, like the opportunity to apply for assisting Davos, which is the annual assembly of the World Economic Forum. Which I did in that in that time. I, I have I have a big thing that. I was the director when the pandemic began. So thank God I knew about technology because I was able to do all the work virtually. If I, if I didn't have that knowledge, I probably would have been the worst director of that community. <laughs> it's right. But it wasn't. And look at now, you cannot be reelected immediately. You can say that you want to be a director after a year and it took me two years to say that I want to be director again because I'm leaving. And I just want to teach you everything that worked for me, for the new generation. And they accepted that and they chose me. And I'm glad that they did because I will try to teach you exactly what I'm doing. All the things I did inside our community so that they can reply it and they can take the help even in, to a better place. So, yes, just try to apply to your to your city, if it's not the Global Shapers, look for an NGO. Try to give back to community. We don't have to be 80 years old to say, I know about this topic and I can give you an advice. You always can give an advice. We give advice about what we see in Netflix. Why we don't give an advice of how we have reached (laughs) certain success in, in our professional life. So it's also a thing that you have to grow in you. You can give advice, you can create community, and eventually everything good you have done is going to return you in the same way or even bigger. You just have to try to work in community and try to support other people in whatever they need.
2: So you mentioned just now a very strong word, community. And it's something we brought up a lot during social convos community in very different contexts and in the context of volunteering. And as you say, sometimes that community doesn't exist. If if there's no global shaper. or Hub, reach out, you kick it off. During your journey, you've encountered various communities. You even created communities. So from volunteering to leadership and now to empowerment, how should we look at communities in the form of empowerment so people are quite in how do you say this? That people are active in the community and feel part of the community?
0: That's a very tough question. And it doesn't matter any country I go. It it doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter if they are a first world country or if they are a developing country. Sometimes you find communities that where everybody is involved. Few times, to be honest. But you have to see a community as an opportunity for you. Like I said, to put your abilities in the table, like to. Put what you think in action because most of communities act in this way. There's an initiator. There's a person that is the leader. If you don't see yourself as the, as the person that can start something, the community is not going to move. There's always, you need somebody that is saying, I want to do this. Oh, nobody's with me. I am going to do it alone. That's part of 90% of my life. Nobody wants to do something because if you don't say I'm not gonna do I'm gonna not gonna do more work than you, I'm not gonna put my effort there. But nobody sees that every good work you do will give you a better result, as I said. Nobody sees volunteering. Probably not most of people see volunteering as they are going to win something because they say, I'm giving my time. You have to be thankful, I'm giving my time. But you don't think that you can initiate something. That you cannot just give your time, but to connect with people to truly make a difference. So it always depends on you. That's what I saw on these different communities, that there was just a couple of people. And I'm just not talking about the global shapers or or not necessarily global shapers. I'm talking about all the environments I've been through. Sometimes everybody is very, very passionate about what they do, but that Passion also stops some at some point. So you have to mix. Everybody needs to consider themselves as a leader, even though I'm going to be the director. That's why my message in my current leadership is that we're going to manage an horizontal leadership. Everybody should have an obligation and responsibility. And everybody want, it's going to lead something. Because sometimes all this hierarchy, they, you think that, okay, I'm working for somebody else. But when you realize that in a community you are working for everybody and for yourself, then things change because you don't say, I'm giving my time and I'm losing my time. No, I am learning in this. So it's, every, it's, it's around you changing your chip, you saying the people the right things and also considering everybody's need. Because when it comes to community, some people have economical interest. Some people have connection interest. Some people have political interest. Some people have just the need to feel they are doing something good. But you don't have to put some interest in a lower place than the others because we are all motivated in different levels and for different reasons. But the thing is what you do as a leader with those interests so that we can do a great work together. That's the big challenge and that's something we have to consider. We really need to connect. If we are not social, if we don't connect with people in the human level, you will never get an an economical or whatever uh, result you are reaching. Like us, Diego. We are just talking, we never thought that sharing time in Portland, getting kind of lost in, in Seattle or whatever, all those experiences let us say, okay, now I know the human being. I can trust him. Let's do something. If he invites me, I'm going to go. If I invite you, I'm going to come. Everything is about networking, connections, but really connect in a deep level and look for the things you have in common, but not the things we have in difference. I always say, focus on the things you have in common. We all have in common something. But as a society, we are all so divided because we think about the negative. Let's look for the things in common. We all have something in common. We are a human race. Like We have something in common. I, will you start working from that, from the common thing, the, the common well-being, the common sense, however you call it, and build something from that.
2: I think that's a beautiful way to close us off. There's so much. There was a talk out. in
1: itself, I think. <laughs> and yeah, a short, a short a short, snippet that people can relate to.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: And also, the commonalities between our countries and between the communities, even though the scale is very different. So I'm looking forward to getting an invitation to Ecuador Yay. and experiencing that. Yeah, for sure, you know. But. To close us off, Jody, you've talked about your journey. So what's next for Jody? Where can people find you? How can people connect with you? I see some tags there, but why don't you share yourself what you're busy with now and how people can reach out to you if they want to connect?
0: Yes, yes great. Well, I'm still involved with university, so I am a remote professor. Actually, even here in my city, I am a virtual postgraduate professor. So I'm always open to work in that sense too. So you can look for me in social media as Jody P from Padilla, L from Lozano, Jody P L. And my entrepreneurship when we offer virtual training for free, it's Leaders Hub. If you are not in Ecuador, you can still find some uh, videos in our platform. If you become a member, it's free. And we hope to keep opening new programs here in person in Guayaquil. We have open three already uh, with the support of our allies and we are going to continue in that line because we have created some great alliances with organizations that usually don't you are not able to reach. Like for example we have an alliance with members of the Global Competitiveness Network from Harvard Business School and professors from Harvard have given webinars for the members of Leaders Hub. That's the big the most important thing about connection, when you connect with people that are passionate about the same, that they want to give back, you will find unlimited, unlimited access to, to world that you might think, oh, I need to pay thousands of dollars for it. No, necessary. Okay, so focus on people. Focus on people. Be a nice person. That would be my final message. And yes, if you want to reach me for whatever thing, you can do it. I will gladly answer any, any message you send me.
2: Awesome, Shalu. Any closing thoughts, and then closes up.
1: Yes, I really want to thank you, Jody. It was an amazing experience. Diego already knew knew how great of a guest she would be, but now I know as well. So thank you for for being our guest at Social Confos. For everybody that tuned in, that watched the live, or is listening to the rerun of this episode on Confos.com or on any streaming platform, thank you for joining us once again. And see you next week, same place, same time.
0: Bye-bye. Thank you.